Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson. Today, BC had a chance to catch up with several defensive players, including, what was it, Damian Daniels, and you also got a chance to talk with Colin Miller, too, right? Did I forget anybody? You did. Uh, Ty Robinson and DeAndre Thomas also wanted to oh, chat wow. with us. I think they probably requested, like, I need to talk to those guys. Yeah, you know? well, that's... That's very nice of them. Did they do it in a group as a defensive line is wont to do? Thankfully not. Yeah, that's it. That is one advantage of uh, the Zoom situation. I, I, I respect what those guys are doing, but as Schaefer's getting to here after practices, they they like to do interviews at D line like four or five of them at the same time, and it's very awkward. It's hard to like figure out who's talking, and it it, it doesn't work too well. This was better. Yeah, it, it doesn't lead to great answers. Uh, not that we're always asking great questions, but no, still, we're not. Uh, the the point being, it, it's much better here. Yeah, Ty Robinson, that's exciting. First time he's really probably spoke since joining the program last year. Yeah, he was interesting. Uh, very mature guy uh, for you know redshirt freshman. The the takeaway, and I think he maybe mentioned this last season, is you know he got in three games at the very end last year, so he played quite a bit actually against Wisconsin and some against Iowa. So he saw two really good offensive lines, even though he only played in three games, but he said the thing he learned was that, you know, talent alone doesn't work anymore. It's one of those deals where you're like, Oh, okay. This is a whole different deal at this level. I, you know, when you're a four-star guy, you just, you just own the night because you're just flat better. And now everybody's as good as you. And so you got to have the tricks. You got to have the technique and all this other stuff and some added muscle. And so basically he's saying, I went back to the drawing board. It's like, okay, this is what it takes to play Big Ten football in the trenches. And so now we're going to see what his lab work has produced over the past year. Yeah, he's been a really popular kind of breakout pick or redshirt freshman to emerge because we heard his name a lot at the end of last year. He was a big recruiting win for this staff in December of 20, uh, what would that have been, 2018. And Mm -hmm. it it was, you know, an important position of need. What I'm, I'm mostly curious about, did you get any clarity? Because we've seen him inside. Cameron Juergens has seen Ty Robinson plenty. Uh, did you get any clarity in how Nebraska wants to utilize him? Because he strikes me as a guy that could play inside in passing situations and outside, uh, you know, at times too. I'm going to go through my tape again, but I'm quite sure that mostly they'd prefer him at end, but he can do both. And there are some guys like him that are versatile enough that they want to cross train. They f- they're feeling better on the inside about Damian Daniels. Um, you know, perhaps taking that move from being a guy who plays like 15 or 16 snaps and he can actually be out there a full series and have that stamina. And Damian Daniels has taken that to heart that he's got to be that guy. And they've also got uh, Jordan Riley. And I think there is some promising stuff said from Tuioti about Keem Green. Um, Keem Green is a guy who can also play inside or at end. And uh, last year, you know, Tony Tuioti said Keem Green was kind of struggling, if we're going to be blunt, to to learn some of the intricacies of playing the nose spot. And now um, they feel like he can do multiple things for him. And so 
There was some good stuff said about Keem Green, which is encouraging because obviously he's got high potential and that could allow Ty Robinson to maybe focus more at an end spot and uh, not have to do everything. Um, although I'm sure you're going to see him move around. Are you having the opportunity to talk with these guys with, with Daniels and Thomas and Robinson and then certainly Tuioti? I don't know how you felt coming into to this sort of season, you know, all three times we were expecting uh, the, the, this thing to go or all three schedules, I should say. But do you do you feel better about Nebraska's defensive line depth uh, than most? Or do you think that this is still very much a wait and see how it plays out sort of situation? I guess the simple answer is wait and see. I I'm encouraged that my answer would be I'm encouraged over the long run. Like I think if we're playing the long game, I really like what they have going with the defensive line. I like the young guys. I, there's some guys who didn't even come up today. Like most, I knew some that I think are going to be good players. Um, Tuioti has a rotation of about seven guys. He feels good about at this very moment. And one of them is Casey Rogers, who has also come on. Um, so the, my worry is you're asking Ty Robinson, Keem Green, Damian Daniels to play more snaps than he ever has against two of the best offensive lines in college football right off the bat. And so I think a reasonable mind would go into it saying there might be some road bumps or they might hit a pothole or two, um, whichever of those analogies you want to use. But I, I, I think – over the long run, if they can stick with these guys and these guys cannot get discouraged if they have a really rough week, um, I think by the end of the year, it could be a pretty formidable group that you're pretty excited about, especially heading into 2021. Now, you're, you're a relatively new car owner. Which is more frustrating to you on the road? Is it a road bump or is it a pothole? I mean, do you do you, pothole? The potholes in Nebraska, I mean, that it's like an Olympic sport, as you know, certain <laughs> months of the. I, and I don't know if I got on, I think I texted you guys. I, I, uh, blew out a tire and I've had a rock hit my windshield all in like the last month. So I'm, I'm very much on edge right now, driving my car around. Yeah. And the, the tire wasn't your fault. It was like something shot across the interstate and just disintegrated it. Right. It was wreckage from another vehicle. Yeah. Another vehicle got in a wreck. Thankfully they were fine. I want to make that clear. But yeah, their part of their vehicle came over into my side, and uh, that was that. So, uh, and I would like to say as a man, I could change a tire. I want that to be clear. Um, I I can change a tire, but there was a guy who pulled up right away. He's like, "You you look like you could use some help." And uh, I was like, "Sure, go for it." And he he changes tires for a living, so I let him do it. Yeah, well, there you go. That's uh, you you let someone be a good Samaritan. That was a, a nice move by you. Uh, you probably learned a thing or two on how he changed the tire. Uh, and you, you learned whether you have NASCAR like dodging skills or not. And no, I don't I would imagine it was, uh, that would be, that would be difficult. That would be difficult. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive back into the defensive line for just a little bit more. There's a couple guys who so we're, we're talking about a lot of the new faces or at least some of the younger guys. What do you see for Ben Stilley and DeAndre Thomas, two guys that I think were, you know, initially penciled in as, as expected to be part of, of the rotation. And I believe if I have it correct, they are part of the seven names that, that Tony Tuioti rattled off. 
Yes. Still, he's going to be Nebraska's best defensive lineman this year, I think. But it's a matter of, you know, what level does he get to? Can he be a guy who makes that that monster leap and is suddenly, you know, an all-conference type of guy or at least makes a list like that? Um, one of the teams, that would be very useful. Uh, he's been helping Ty Robinson, has really taken him under his wing. So he's a very good leader in that room. I think the real wild card, and I think you would probably agree with me um, in this conversation, is DeAndre Thomas, because I know he's a guy you loved as a recruit, and I think we kind of thought his move was going to happen last year, and it really didn't. And DeAndre was uh, – he doesn't he's a man of few words when he does interviews, as you know, uh, but he did say one thing he's got to – get better at as a pass rush he wants to be a presence there and and make that happen so he's a guy that like if him and Damian Daniels take a step and are play like veteran guys and kind of meet the the potential that was thought of them as recruits this defensive line does look a lot different in a hurry to me yeah and and that would certainly uh, that would certainly ease the pain of the loss of the Davis twins and, and Darian Daniels. And so, all right, let's, let's, before we shift out of defensive line pass rushing talk, there is one other nugget that came out of today that I'm pretty excited about because I, I was really intrigued when he emerged as a target for Nebraska at the end of December. I didn't quite see how he fit because he didn't look like the rest of the defensive ends that they were recruiting. We found out today, Feldarius Payne is getting a lot of work with Mike Dawson and the outside linebackers, I see this as a potential good thing. What, what did you hear from Tony Tuioti when he brought it up? Yeah, I'll go over a few of the nuts and bolts, and then I'd be more interested in your opinion because you follow him closer as a recruit. But they are working pain as an outside backer because they feel like uh, he can be a pass-rushing nuisance with a little work and maybe give some tackles some trouble. Um Obviously, they need some depth there. It was confirmed today on social media. Javen Wright, uh, you know, said he's he's out right now. He's having surgery, and so they're looking for options at outside backer and guys. And we've gotten to that point, you know, with football where uh, certain guys who have those kind of body types that are sort of tweener body types, they can move between D line and, and outside backer. Still, he did it when he was a young guy. And uh, now uh, we'll see if Feltarius Payne can do it. One more thing I'll mention before I get your take on Payne is Nick Henrich, who is working at middle backer, they're at least toying with the idea, Barrett Rude confirmed, of him at outside, or at least, you know, thinking about could he help there. And so right now he's at inside backer. I want to make that clear, but that's at least a thought process going on over there. So, uh, that could be an interesting spot, Dawson's group of guys that we maybe weren't thinking about who could be over there. Man, talk about a public access show that I would watch. Dawson's group. <laughs> it would would it play like kind of a emotional oh yeah. Like like song at the end. Um, not that I watched Dawson's Creek or anything, but I, I assume that's what happened if since I'd never saw it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like Hard Knocks meets Friday Night Lights with a little bit of actual Dawson's Creek mixed in there. Dawson's Group, you can catch it on your public access channel uh, uh, Thursdays at 4 o'clock. So, James, would James Vanderbeek be like a 
like coach Dawson. He'd be like the kind of a slim, he'd, he'd be like the version of a Mike Dawson. I would like that. I, I want you to ask Mike Dawson that the next time he comes on for immediate availability. <laughs> See if he considers he and James Vanderbeek have the same likeness. <laughs> anyway, what it, what do you think about Fildarius Payne? Cause you, you follow yeah. him closer as a recruit. So I, I really, I'm intrigued by this because I, I think that one of the things that was in, interesting to me is that Nebraska definitely sees Feldarius Payne as a pass rusher. They didn't bring him in to help out on first and second down against the Wisconsin when in, in obvious run situations, they brought him in to, to get after the quarterback. And I thought they were going to do that from the defensive end spot on third down and obvious passing situations. And so the fact that they're moving him back to outside linebacker, I think that's still going to be the plan. But this is a guy that was able to get pressure with Lackawanna College last year, uh, the community college that he was at. They were one of the best defensive teams in the country. He had four and a half sacks uh, and, and plenty more hurries. But he was pretty active up there and, and was able to disengage. And he's quicker than you might suspect for somebody that's six foot three, 275 pounds. And so if he's able to provide a pass rush, even if he's not someone you want there, you know, playing in space, you know, it's one of those situations kind of like an Alex Davis where he's lined up close to the line of scrimmage, almost like a fourth defensive lineman, and you know he's going to engage with that tackle. I still think, like, that's a, a really interesting wrinkle Nebraska can use, and he's going to be a situational player. Like, he's not going to be a guy that that is going to get a ton of snaps, but when he's in, you're hoping he can come through for you. I, I do think, and, and this is this could be part of a much larger conversation but I do think football is trending a little bit in the way that baseball has, where you try to look for these sort of platoon advantages, these, these things where certain guys are, are good against certain pitchers, certain guys in football are better as run defenders or better as pass rushers or have better body types or better athleticism to fit into certain sub packages. I mean, we've seen that at Nebraska at times. I think we're going to see an explosion of that more to try to take advantage of the giant roster you have. And I think that's a great way to use Feldaria's paint. I'm a little more skeptical with Nick Henrich as an outside linebacker, if only because I guess I just sort of worry when a guy that's that highly rated, that highly recruited, that publicized of a uh, recruitment, you bring him in to be the future of your inside linebackers. And now you're sort of talking about him as another guy in the outside linebacker mix. It's one of two ways. It's either he could be really, really good out there or he hasn't quite hit it the way you want it inside linebacker. Did, did Barrett Root add any more to that, Brian, or am I overthinking it? No, but and it, to be clear, he was just asked directly about if that was a thought, and he said, yeah, I mean, you think about getting your best guys on the field however you can, and I think they see outside backer as a, 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 a spot where they need help. Um, so that's what it's mostly uh, why it's a conversation point at all. But – it is important to note he's at middle backer right now. I don't know that that's changing. Barrett really likes his room because we didn't even talk about him yet, but Luke Reimer was sort of one of the headlines of this call. He's got a scholarship now. Um, you know, this guy is just making plays ever since he got here last year as a walk-on from Lincoln North star and uh, him and Henrich are really pushing uh, Colin Miller and Will Honus. So they've got a good four there. And I don't know that they're going to disrupt that. Um, so that's where it sits right now. And I, that's where it might stay s seated. So uh, that, that, that's what kind of came out of it. 
Yeah, that inside linebacker rotation that Barrett Rude kind of talked about, you know, playing what he said three to five guys. I mean, I, they essentially have five guys with with Henrich, Etavamalga, Clements, uh, Reimer, and then of course your expected starters of Honus and Miller. And so they they have a really interesting positional depth there. But it does seem like when we saw this last year with Barrett Rude, he wants to try to get a rotation so guys are fresh and that the the there isn't much of a drop off. Uh, anything else interesting for you out of what Barrett Root had to say about any of his returning guys? Uh, it was a useful call. Uh, I mean, Malga Clements is a guy who you feel bad for because I know they really like him. He just hasn't had any padded practices yet. And so it's a tough hill for him to to climb right now because you do have four pretty good players that are maybe in his way. And uh, he's got to be just on the fast track. He's basically got to do what Luke Reimer did last year, where you just jump off the page, you know, in the first week or two of camp and let everybody know, hey, I'm here. You're going to have to put me on the field some way. Um, So it's a tough spot for him. Um, And I feel a little bit bad, you know, for guys like that because of this offseason. But, uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. I, this is a year where you might need your fifth or sixth, sixth guy, and you might need him by week three. So I think that's the message to everybody there is don't get comfortable. You could be, you could be the man. And uh, some years I think that probably goes one in one ear and out the other for guys. Now I think players really believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Any anything else from from either the players or from the coaches that you want to get to that we we haven't touched on here? I think we hit on the the gist of it, uh, and I know there's uh, some big news on the recruiting front locally because uh, the guy everybody's kind of been tracking. Will they or won't they offer him? Uh, he got some good news. Yeah, I and look, I I understand. There's definitely been people that have been hitting me up wondering like why we're making such a big deal about. James Carney and um, because he's kind of a big deal and it's a big story in this state. And, and a guy has power five offers to, to Iowa and to Kansas state and, and certainly has interests in Nebraska. Then people want to know, is that offer going to come? And it came for him. Uh, he talked to Scott Frost on Sunday and, and Frost told him to, to be by the phone on Monday morning and, and that it would come officially at that time. He had a chance to FaceTime with Sean Becton on Monday, the offer officially went out. And Nebraska is in the group with Kansas State and Iowa, Pitt, uh, and, and James Carney is going to make a decision here in a little less than a week on Monday, October 12th. And so, you know, the crystal ball has been rolling in for Nebraska on that one. Local kid, grew up going to games. His grandfather had season tickets since before Nebraska's sellout streak had even started. I mean, this is a, a Nebraska family through and through. So I think people can kind of read the tea leaves there. And I, I'm excited for it. I really am. I you know, there haven't been a lot of local guys where you hear that sort of buzz of like, oh, man, you got to see this guy. He's going to, you know, he's really going to jump out at you uh, where you, you you don't get those offers coming in. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, James Carney had those Mac offers in, in the spring. And I, I just kept wondering, OK, like, what's the deal with this? Because I know Nebraska has some interest. I finally saw him at the Warren Academy Showcase and was really impressed by his athleticism. Got to know him a little bit. Very impressed by his attitude. He gets into his season, and he's just been good. And, like, one of the things you want to see when a guy is trying to earn offers, he's trying to, to get attention or turn heads, is to to go play. And so uh, I I think, like, 
that's just a, a really good thing uh, for Nebraska. And so I, I think that they're going to end up with this commitment. They're going to have three tight ends with, with Carney and with Rollins. And I, I think it's just going to work out really well for the Huskers here. So um, overall, you know, Fedoni is why I forgot to mention him overall, just a, a good move for Nebraska and a, and a good situation. So I, uh, I think it'll work well. I wish, right. Fido- I wish, I wish Fedoni would come up once in a while. So I'm glad you mentioned him. <laughs> yeah. I lost, lost track of my thoughts there. All right, BC let's uh, let's end this one. We'll go short today. We'll bring a full podcast back later in the week for the people, but I'm glad we were able to hit on some of the, the news and notes coming out of the zoom calls got the James Carney thing uh, and we'll, we'll drum up some more stuff. We'll see if Michael Brunts wants to join us on Thursday. Maybe there's a wheel topic. We'll do all of that and more. Be sure to check out what's going on at Husker 24 seven. Any final thoughts, BC? No, you said it well. Sometimes I say it well. Sometimes. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's get out of here. We'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.